Thank you for joining us for this episode of the IPI Policy Basics Podcast. Today's topic is the role of layoffs in the economy. We're coming to you today from the studios of Salem Media Group in Dallas, Texas. I'm Tom Giovanetti, the president of the Institute for Policy Innovation. With our IPI Policy Basics podcast, we are building an audio reference library on basic policy topics and concepts for those who want to learn and understand how to think about policy from a limited government free market standpoint, or for those who need to get up to speed on a particular issue. Today, I'm joined, as usual, by IPI resident scholar, Dr. Mara Matthews. And Dr. Matthews, today we want to talk about the role of layoffs in the economy. This is something you have recently been researching, and you've been, made, you've been making notes of some recent layoff announcements. Uh, what is the role of layoffs in an economy? Well, Tom, you know, we've been hearing lots of news stories about layoffs, and, and some of them are big layoffs. I mean, Google's laying off uh, 6% of its workforce, Microsoft 4 to 5%, uh, Amazon just 1% to 2%, Salesforce 10%, Goldman Sachs laying off 8%, Coinbase laying off 20%, and that's just in this year. If you go back to last year, you're looking at Meta laying off 13%, Snapchat 20%, and Twitter, which is, of course, a, it, it was a different issue, but laying off 50% of its uh, of its workforce. So a lot of people are getting laid off. And it's the news on this is uh, there's headlines about it, but even as they're being laid off, we have a fairly strong economy, apparently, at least in the, in the workforce department, because we're still at a very low unemployment rate at 3.5%. So what I wanted to do was to just point out that uh, layoffs can hurt. They can be disruptive for families that are getting laid off. But they, from a from a broader macro standpoint, from an economic standpoint, they can actually be good for the economy and get the economy repositioned to do to do better and grow. Especially if you do these layoffs, sort of doing a, a preventive layoff that says we think there's, the economy may be slowing down. We're going to take these steps now. We're trimming out some of the fat, and we hope that that will actually let us be stronger if we do get a downturn. You know, I couldn't help but notice from your list that it's very it was very heavy, heavy on tech companies. And yes. not just tech companies, but specific kinds of tech companies. Uh, you know, it, it, most of those are what we refer to as like edge companies on the Internet. They're the, they're the companies that like directly interface with consumers, you know, rather than some of the backbone or back office kinds of companies. Uh, and so when you see a list like that that skews so heavily toward like one industry uh, and you look at the the current economy, which is fairly strong. And as you say, unemployment being low, you know, that looks an awful lot like simply one sector of the economy that is facing some struggles or facing some downturns rather than something that represents sort of a broad view of the economy as a whole. And this is something we understand about economies. Sometimes one sector of an economy is doing really well. And another sector of economy is doing less well. And so you end up with these, you know, sector layoff kind of situations rather than the entire economy. Right. And a number of these tech companies will will concede that they essentially overhired during the pandemic. Uh, they were getting a lot of business as people were sitting at home and they were getting checks from the federal government. And so it it may it may have made a certain amount of sense to ramp up then, but that's changed and we're not in that position anymore. And so now they're seeing both declining revenues, 
declining uh, uh, interest in their products and so forth, and and they're looking to uh, trim the workforce some. And that's even though some of these are fairly big trimmings, uh, it's probably time to do that again. As I said, you're do- they're doing that before recession. We don't have a recession right now that we know of. There's fears that we're going to be in a recession. So if you were essentially start trying to uh, get some of the cost out so that you're managing your cost better, uh, that would be- make you better able to survive a downturn if it comes. I want, and I want to um, reiterate what I said before about sometimes these things are s- sector specific. Uh, you can have a sector of the economy that's just been having a boom time, and now they're looking at maybe times being a little less boomy. And in anticipation of that, they have to sort of get leaner and get meaner uh, just so that they can, you know, remain productive and remain competitive. Uh, So that's sort of a normal thing. And I I think that when you're looking at layoffs in that situation, that's different than a situation where you have an an economy-wide recession or a major economic downturn where just everybody in every industry is getting laid off. That's really a completely different situation. Uh, that's that's more of like a macro situation rather than a micro situation. From an economic theory standpoint, I think one of the things we want to say about, well, first of all, from a personal standpoint, as you said, yes, layoffs can be traumatic. They can be really, really traumatic, maybe less so in an economy that is aggressively seeking for new workers like the one we're in currently. Uh, but right. what- and, and, and let me just add, a lot of these tech companies are giving people fairly fairly generous uh, buyouts as they're leaving. So they may get two, three, four months of, uh, of salary even as they're leaving. So that's helpful for those who are going to go out and try to find a new job. And, and you know, we are, we are proponents of the tech industry here at IPI. We think that's one of the, one of the great benefits of a, of a growing and innovative economy. But you hear, you know, you've, we've been hearing stories from the tech industry about everybody getting free meals, free snacks, uh, lots of time off, free massages, uh, you know, all this kind of stuff. And I, I heard, I heard that that I think it was Google laid off all their something like twenty masseuses. Yeah, uh, and uh, yeah, so that that's that, a nice perk in and of itself. That might be a suggestion that uh, that they've been going through some real boom times, and and maybe it's time now to retrench just a little bit, get a little bit more leaner and meaner and more productive. Um, so that's from a personal standpoint, we grant that that's problematic and we don't want to seem uncompassionate at all about that. But from an ec- economic theory standpoint, what this really is, is a redeployment of human capital from right. from less productive efforts to more productive efforts. It's not unlike saying, you know, I've got a stock here that's that's not doing well. I'm going to sell it. I'm going to invest that money in something that has more growth potential. Uh, that's how you would describe this with financial capital. But the same thing is true of human capital. If if you have thousands of people who are in a company or an industry where they just really can no longer be deployed productively, it's actually better for the overall economy for them to be resituated in a place where they can be more productive. Essentially, you know, going from somewhere that doesn't want them anymore to somewhere that needs them and wants them very badly is actually a plus for the economy. Right. And that's that, I think, is the key point from the economic standpoint is if you have overhired, letting those people go and let them move to places that are understaffed, because with the low unemployment rate we have right now, there are a lot of companies out there that are dying to get more people. And so allowing that shift to go forward, you allow the company that is over over overhired to 
trim itself down some and and improve its margins, but you also allow those companies that are struggling to find new workers the ability to be able to ramp up and to be to be more productive and competitive that the way they'd like to be, but they just had trouble getting workers. So uh, with that low unemployment rate, I think this, and this is one of the key differences between this and the dot-com bust that we had back in around 2000, 2001, when so many dot-com people, tech people were laid off and there was not really any place for them to go. Now you have an awful lot of jobs that are open for them to be able to go. And it may not be exactly the same job, but there's an awful lot of jobs out there available to people in similar situations. So I, th- I think it actually will work out very well for most of the people being laid off. Yeah, if you have technical skills, you might not be going to work at a place that's considered a tech company, but you might be doing tech for a non tech company you might be you might be doing oh, yeah, tech absolutely. you might be doing tech for a manufacturing company or something like that so and and I, you know we've also heard stories from some of these tech companies especially from twitter it seems like twitter was just really bloated with with people with useless useless or unnecessary skills uh and and that might be tenable for a period of time but in the long run that's not tenable in the long run to be employed you have to be able to deliver value at least, at least in most cases. So, you know, if you if you work from this assumption that layoffs are actually a reallocation of human capital toward more productive means, and I do think that is the right way to look at this, then there are some really serious implications for public policy. And I think the overall implication is that if you want your economy to, to be as dynamic and as efficient as possible, it should be easy for people to change jobs, whether they're doing it of their own volition or whether they're doing it because they're laid off. It should be as easy as possible for people to change jobs. And so when we find issues, when we find instances in public policy that make it harder for people to change jobs, that those are things we ought to look at trying to eliminate. And so, for instance, unionization makes it difficult for people to change jobs because a good bit of the whole purpose of unions is to protect jobs, is to keep people from getting laid off, uh, the seniority system, et cetera, et cetera. So unionization makes it harder for people to switch jobs easily, and that's one of the reasons why unionization is a problem. Another thing that makes it hard for people to change jobs easily and quickly is licensing requirements. There are a lot of jobs or a lot of companies uh, where you you have to be part of the guild in order to work in that industry or to work in that profession. You have to be licensed by the state. You have to pass licensing exams. And some of these make sense from a health and safety standpoint. You, you want trained electricians messing with electricity. You want trained plumbers messing with your plumbing. But should people really have to take courses and pay fees and be granted licenses to cut hair? I mean, I understand why why the existing guild of barbers and haircutters wants to do that because it sort of protects them from competition. Uh, but things like licensing requirements, unionization, things like that that make it harder for people to change jobs easily uh, – they they are they are friction in this process that we're talking about about an economy being able to reallocate human capital uh, from less productive to more productive means. And I think that sort of goes to the point that we have elected officials, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, 
the House Progressive Caucus, who want to make it harder for employers to be able to let people go uh, dropping out, leaving people unemployed and so forth. They want to they want to really throw a wrench in that process. And in so doing, they end up really stifling the economy in ways that I don't think they really understand. Maybe they understand and don't care. But you want to let people find where they are most productive and where they are most productive is where they will get their most uh, uh, value and remuneration from an employer. And that means a, a workforce that allows people to leave or to be transferred or to be uh, uh, eliminated and moving on to some other place where they can benefit more. That's a great transition to another policy implication we ought to talk about, and that is that people should be able to more or less work in the way that they prefer or in the way that they choose to work. And so we have this thing for the last several years that has been enabled by technology that we call the gig economy, right? People who are who are working, they're driving for Uber or Lyft or other delivery services. Um, you've got people that are leasing out houses or apartments through like Airbnb and Verbo and things like that. Uh, there, there are more and more ways now where you can actually earn income and earn revenue while maintaining flexibility and control over your life. And these are all largely referred to as 1099 employees because they don't get a regular paycheck. Uh, they don't have taxes withheld from their paycheck the way a traditional employee does. Uh, they get 1099s from, from the companies that pay them, and then they have to pay quarterly taxes and things like that. But there's a big move by a lot of progressive activists, uh, not only in Congress, not only in, in the U.S. Congress, but also in California and some other blue states, to try to eliminate 1099 employees and to insist, for instance, that that Uber drivers are actually employees of Uber and that people who sell on eBay are actually employees of eBay and people who sell on Etsy to force them to be employees of Etsy. Uh, and this, again, this creates friction. This makes it harder for people to change jobs easily, or to choose alternate forms of employment. If we want an economy that's as efficient and productive as possible, we want people to have as much control as possible over how they work, how they earn income, and we should not be erecting barriers to that, and we should not be creating more friction. We should be trying to eliminate friction. We should be trying to make it easier, for instance, for a gig employees and 1099 employees to obtain health insurance and things like that. Uh, rather than making it harder like our current system does right now. So again, if you if you and this is a reason why we're making this a policy basics episode because this issue of layoffs gives us an opportunity to really think through some really key policy principles that just like you want financial capital allocated to more productive rather than less productive areas, you want human capital allocated to more productive rather than less productive areas. And to do that, we have to make sure that our employment law, our union practices, our tax system, and yes, even our healthcare system are more friendly and make it easier for people to change jobs. If someone is trapped in a job they hate or a dead-end job because that's the only way that they can get their health insurance, that's a policy problem. And that makes that person less productive rather than more productive. So that's our policy basics on the topic of the role of layoffs in the economy. It gives us an opportunity to talk about some important economic policy principles. So we hope that that was helpful to you. You can find more about economic policy 
tax systems, employment law, health care, and economic efficiency at our website at IPI.org, where you can sign up and you can get notices about future content, upcoming events, and future podcast episodes. If you've enjoyed this podcast, how about giving us a favorable review on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform? You can also help to sponsor these IPI Policy Basics podcasts by becoming a member of IPI's Giving Society. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you next time.